reading is from Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 29. It can be found on page 1176 of your Bibles. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For once you, for you, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live of children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything ex is exposed by the light, and it becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it's said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as, the, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as the Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, 
just as Christ does the church. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, and it's on page 991 in your Bibles. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. very loud sorry great we're getting ready PowerPoint up and running not yet great so we're thinking about this passage how we should be the sort of people that God wants us to be that's basically what this passage is about and I want to start by thinking about the fact that there is a battle going on for every human soul at this moment in time. Right now, there's a battle. Not between the politicians of the different parties who are arguing for our support and having endless debates that are getting uh, more and more interesting or fractious or difficult, depending on how you look at it. There's a battle going on between the forces of good and evil. Because each human soul has a destiny. And each human soul is going to end up either in one place or another, in the kingdom of good or the kingdom of evil, in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. And this passage is all about us deciding which of those kingdoms we're going to become part of. I don't know if you want to follow it, but it's on page 1176 of our Pew Bibles, And it might be worth having that open because there's some bits that we're going to look at in detail. Last weekend, I wasn't here. I was at a reunion of our year at veterinary college. Before I did this job, I was a vet. And we all started 
our studies to be vets 40 years ago. So clearly I was very young when I started, and uh, it's hard to believe. But 40 years ago, we started our training, and we meet up every five years or so, and we look back on what's happened in our lives. We were all given gifts and talents, we were all given abilities, and we used those to become vets. But then we all made different choices about how our lives went, and they're always a bit intrigued that I made this choice to end up being a vicar. But they've all made choices about the sort of practices that they run and how much they're going to charge people because that impacts how much money they're going to make. And some of them are now at the point where they're selling their practices and selling them on and looking back at what they've achieved in their lives. Because we all get given certain things and then we make choices that take those things that we're given and turn them into a life that is led And as we look back, we can see how those choices have influenced the paths that we've taken. And today, we're thinking about this choice between following the path to good or the path to evil. Which will you choose? We all have a choice. Just as we all have a choice about who we're going to vote for, we all have a choice about which way we're going to go. Just to say that next Tuesday, on the 3rd, there's the hustings at the cathedral, at St. John's Cathedral, the Catholic Cathedral. And if you want to go and hear the candidates, they're going to be there. The Bible isn't going to tell us how to vote. Perhaps we might get some idea from listening to those candidates at the hustings. But the Bible is going to tell us how to live our life. And that's a more important choice for each one of us to make. That's a more foundational choice. Because God sent Jesus to show us how to do life. And we've been called to follow him. And to choose to follow him or to choose not to follow him. And in this passage, the writer talks about walking as an idea of seeing how we do life. That life is a journey and we all choose how we're going to walk. Remember back in the Old Testament, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, God, it, the prophet says, What does God desire of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? That's what we're called to do, to walk through life with God. At the start of the book of Psalms, in Psalm 1, there's these two ways to walk, in the way of the wicked or the way of the righteous. How will you walk? That's what this passage is about. Because three times in this passage, there's the word walk, which is in our translations that we've got in our pew Bibles, translated as live. Because they want you to understand that it's all about how you live. So they've translated walk into live. But it's helpful in some ways to think about that walk. How will we walk? Which path will we choose? Will we choose life or death? Will we choose light or darkness? How will we walk? Because that choice matters. Because there are just two ways to go. Good or evil, we need to choose. Now, some people here will remember a funny comedy sketch in which it was suggested that there was a whole government department devoted to silly walks. 
And uh, the people in that sketch were making fun of the government, saying that they had so much money, they even had money to spend on silly walks. Now, I haven't read all the manifestos for this particular election, but I haven't seen anyone promising uh, a department of silly walks. But Paul says, you must be careful how you walk. Because when you think about it, some people have chosen some pretty silly walks in this life. Be careful how you walk. Be careful to choose a path that is going to make sense. That is going to make sense. And choose that path and then stick to it. Remember that Ephesians, this letter, was written by the writer when he was in prison to a church where he'd spent two years. He'd spent two years looking after this church, seeing it grow. He'd made friends. He'd formed relationships and he wanted them to know the really important stuff. He might never get a chance to speak to them again. So he's written this letter in order to tell them that this is the way that you need to do things, that the way you need to do life. And the first half of the letter is all about praise, praising God for what he's done, praising God that he has saved us by grace through faith, praising God. And now he comes to putting that into praxis, to the praxis that uh, balances up the praise. God's calling us to a path that we need to follow. And at that time, when Paul was writing, it wasn't an easy path because there was lots of persecution around. And the early followers of Jesus, before they were known as Christians, were known as the followers of the way. They had to choose which path to take. And it was a narrow path. Remember, Jesus said that broad is the path and wide is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is the path and hard is the way that leads to eternal life. There's one path that we should take. There may be lots of distractions or alternatives, but we need to choose that path and stay on that path. So if you want to look at the passage, there's three places where it calls us to walk with God. In verse 2 of chapter 5, where it says, live a life of love, Paul is saying, walk in love. In verse 8, where it says, live as children of light. Paul's saying, walk as children of light. And then in verse 15, where it says, how you live, not as unwise but as wise. It's talking about how we walk. Not as those who are unwise, but who are as wise. The wise people. This is a new way of doing life. Relying on God's grace, walking with God, guided by his light that we see in Jesus, this light that shines in the darkness, this light that we're going to celebrate. So as we start the chapter, we're told that we must live a life of love. We must walk in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And if we do this, then we will avoid the pitfalls that the way of evil spreads before us. And if we've been paying attention at all to the first part of the letter, we will know what sort of love this is. It's an extravagant, reckless, sacrificial love. It's a love that comes and finds us when we're lost and seeks us until we're found. 
It's a love that lays down everything for us. It's a love that we're told to think about. To think about how wide and long and high and deep this love is. That's what that first gospel passage was about. Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees. What's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? It's not about what you don't do. It's about what you do do. It's not about all the negatives that you find in the Ten Commandments. It's about the positives. Choosing to love God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. Choosing to love your neighbor as yourself. Choose love, Jesus says. Walk in love. That's what we must do. This is the way that we're to walk. This is the task that is set before us. And if we do that, if we do walk in love, then we won't want to harm or hurt the person who's the object of that love, will we? So all of those following verses from verse 3 to verse 7, they're all the things that we avoid because we love God and there's no way we want to get into all this mess that this world puts before us in all the false promises of all the activities that this world says will make us happy and bring us fulfillment. We must walk in love. Don't get distracted by the superficial shiny stuff that's on sale at Gunwolf Keys. Don't be anxious about the path that this nation's taking or which prime minister we're going to get next. Don't be distracted or anxious. Walk in love. It's not that difficult. Jesus didn't want it to be difficult. It's not necessarily easy, but it's something that we can all do. We can walk in love. Walk in love. That's the first calling upon us. And then we're called to be children of the light. And Paul said, did you see this? For you were once darkness. Not you were once in darkness. You were once darkness. But now you are light. So walk as children of the light. When I was a vet, we used to operate on all sorts of animals. I once did a caesarean on a hamster, which was a bit tricky. And when you do operations, you have to see what you're up against. So in any operating theatre, you always have these great big lights that can be positioned to shine directly into the wound, to to see the thing so that the surgeon can see the thing that he's operating on. The thing that he's going to remove or repair. Because you might have an idea from an x-ray or an ultrasound what you're going in to do. But until you see it, until you see where the blood vessels are, which nerves are running through it, you can't make the choices that you have to make. You have to see something first. You have to bring it into the light. All the time it's hidden... It's causing the problems. It's upsetting the natural paths of, healing, of wholeness and healing. But once you see it, then you can remove it. You have to bring into the light the things that are hidden. That's what Paul's saying here. We have to bring into the light the problems that are causing all the disruption and dis-ease that is there in our communities, in our world. Some of the worst disappointments that I've come across are those that have been hidden for years. Just recently, I've been talking to a lady whose father, for many years, had an affair. And he convinced his wife 
that it would hurt the children if they knew about the affair, so it was best that they kept it secret and kept it hidden. Keep it in the darkness. Don't let anybody know about it. And that secret has made that woman's life a whole lie. All of her adult life has been a lie. Every time that she thought she saw her mother and her father together, they weren't. They were apart, weren't they? Because he was having the affair. It's better to live in the light of the truth than to exist in the shadows. And sometimes we have to bring things into the light in order for them to be seen. I think it's really cool that we live in a parish that has its own lighthouse. I've never, I've never lived in a parish with a lighthouse before, and we have our own one down uh, at the seafront on the castle. And the lighthouse is there to guide. doesn't work, okay, but it's there. It may not work, but it's there. Okay, I've got a picture of one that does work. Here you go. Just, uh, just, yeah, there you are. The lighthouse is there to guide people, isn't it? It's to guide people and it's to keep people away from the rocks. The light shines to keep people away from the rocks, from the dangers that are there. And it also shines so that people can get safely through the storms to come home. I presume the lighthouse is there because it was there to guide people into the harbour to show them where the harbour was. As they came around the end of the Isle of Wight, there was a light shining in the darkness to bring them safely to shore. That's what that lighthouse was for. And the light that we're to shine, because we were darkness and now we're light, is to bring people home to where they're meant to be. We're meant to be, this church is meant to be a lighthouse, isn't it? That's some, one of the ways that we think about who we are and what we do. Shining in the darkness to bring people home to God, to bring them safely to shore, to bring them to the place where they're meant to be. This is what we're called to do. We have to shine that light. So we can't have any darkness in here if we want to be light. There may be darkness, but we have to work on getting rid of that so that we are the light that shines in the darkness. And all of us have got work to do. All of us have got things that we need to clear out so that we are filled with that light that can shine in the darkness. The darkness can never overcome that light. The light will always shine. So we're called to be people who walk in love and walk in light. And then we're called to be people who walk in wisdom. And being wise is different from having knowledge. There's lots of data. It seems to me that in a way we're overwhelmed with data and information. And some of that can help you to get knowledge, but it's very small, the amount of all of that stuff that comes at us that makes us wise. But we're called to live in the wisdom of God. We're called to make wise choices with our lives. Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the wisdom that we need is found in this book. And by reading it and rereading it and studying it and thinking about it and taking the thoughts that it gives us into the day, we will become wise. It's not an overnight thing. You can't just download it and make it happen. We have to make choices and sometimes we make bad choices. But we learn from those choices and we learn wisdom because we've got a guide. We've got something to guide us. 
We've got someone who will lead us into his wisdom. And it's here in his book. Be careful then how you walk. Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. We need to be a place where people can come and find wisdom. And Paul puts this practical advice into uh, an immediate practical example. In verse 18, he says, Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine. Alcohol, alcohol lets us escape from our self-consciousness. It helps us to uh, have that confidence. But that's what the Spirit does too. The Spirit lets us lose our self-consciousness because we start thinking about other people before ourselves. We become interested in other people rather than worried about who we are. The Spirit fills us with life. Alcohol is a depressant. It takes away your life, takes away your memories. That's one of the big problems, isn't it? You wake up the next morning if you've had too much to drink and you can't remember what you did. The Spirit brings life. Be filled with the Spirit, Paul says. It's much better for our livers. It's much better for our lives. It's much better for our relationships if we are filled with the Spirit. And that be filled is a single word in the Greek. And if you've done the Alpha course, you'll remember this, that that be filled has four important things to learn from it. Be filled, as it's written in this passage, is a command. It's not a suggestion, something that you might like to do on a Thursday afternoon if the wind's in the right direction and the washing's out on the line. It's not something that you might choose to do. This is be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, it's a command. And it's not a singular command, it's a plural command. It's for everyone. It's for the whole church. It's for all of us. If we want to work together, if we want to achieve anything, we have together to be filled with God's Spirit. Be filled. It's a command, it's plural, but it's also passive. It's not something that we do, we strive for, it's something that we allow to happen to us. We open ourselves up and God pours his spirit into us. We don't go searching. He comes to us. He chases us down and he fills us with his spirit. Something that we open ourselves to. And then lastly, it's something that is continuous. There are two tenses, the aorist tense and the present tense. And this is the, the tense which is in the present tense, which keeps on happening. It happens now and it goes on happening. It's not a once-off, like you fill up a cup and then you leave it and it's filled. It's a fill it up until it's overflowing and let it go on being filled. That's what this be filled is about. And why do we need to go on being filled? Well, first of all, I think it's because we leak because sometimes that spirit leaks out of us. We're cracked pots, Paul says, in one place in Corinthians. And we do lose some of that spirit. But the point of being filled by the spirit, like with all of God's gifts, is not for us. It's for the world. It's for those around us. So we're meant to pour out this spirit into the world. So that the world gets wet with this spirit. We're filled to be poured out. So we have to go on being filled or we'll get used up. 
And there are times when I get to the end of my own resources and I do get to be a bit used up and worn out. And I know I have to make space to be filled again. And we need to know how we will find that way to be filled. For each one of us, it may be different. But Paul goes on very immediately to talk about worship, doesn't he? And one of the ways in which we're, we, we are filled with the Spirit is through worship. We need to have worship stamped on our lives. That's how we will be filled. And it's interesting that um, you see in the passage, it says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The uh, people think that there's nowhere in the Bible that those words come. They think that this is taken from an early hymn or a song. And it's perhaps one that the early Christians have learned. And this is something that they've shared. And this is something that they found in worship. And that worship is overflowing into their lives. And Paul's saying, look, just worship and be filled with worship. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. That's the way you'll be filled. That's the way you'll find this spirit filling you. And that may be together and we want to come together to worship together, to encourage one another. But you can do it on your own. You can do it um, out on the walk with the dog. You can do it up a mountain. You can do it in the car. Find a way that worship can get into your life. There's so many podcasts and um, streaming services. You can do it on YouTube. Once you set it up, YouTube just keeps on giving you worship songs one after another. Just set it up and let them play and let worship fill those spaces, particularly if you're feeling worn out and run down at the end of your resources. Let worship fill you with God's Spirit. We are called to be filled. This is the key. If you want to walk in love, if you want to walk in light, if you want to walk in wisdom, the key is be filled with the Spirit. There are three points to this talk. Walk in the light, walk in the love, walk in the wisdom, and then there's a way to do it. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then that Spirit will allow you to have relationships that reflect God's glory. And the last bit of this passage is all about husbands and wives. And I have to say that in my life, the only way that I've managed to find a way to live well with my wife, uh, for those who this applies to, this may make sense to you. For those it doesn't, it may not. But the only way that I've managed to find a way to do it is by allowing the Spirit to guide me and lead me, by allowing that Spirit to encourage me to be filled with God's gentleness, God's faithfulness, God's joy and love and peace. That's the way we find how to do relationships, by allowing the Spirit in, by allowing Him to control our lives. He is a spirit of humility that leads us into good relationships, spirit of gentleness and self-control, of submission to one another, through reverence for Christ. So if we want to follow Jesus, we must walk in this way into this kind of life. A holy life, speaking God's uh, life into this world. A life of love and light, relying on God's wisdom that's revealed to us through Jesus, his Son.
We are all in a battle and we've all got choices to make. And on the television, they'll tell us that there are really important political choices that we have to make and we do need to think carefully about those. But the much bigger, the much deeper, the much more important choice is who are we going to follow? Which kingdom do we want to be part of? How are we going to spend our lives? So don't be anxious and don't get distracted. It's not always easy, but in the power of the Spirit, we can do this together. We're called to choose carefully and to walk well, to follow Jesus and to find the path that leads to faith and hope and love. A life lived like this will make an impact in our world. Other people will see and they will follow. So let's live. Let's walk in the light and the love and the wisdom of God. Grounded on God's word and filled with his spirit. This is our task. This is our challenge. This is our joy. Amen. Let's pray as we think about those words.